This is a story about money. Money, money. Bribery, corruption, millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they're trying to hide the whole thing. Money, money. There is more money than ever before. Money, money. It's controlled by a trust. A trust is like a fiduciary a agreement is. under which a third party I... can. Okay, okay. All I did wrong was try and send money. That's the story. The story is somebody died and somebody's making money from it. Did we happen to mention we are in this for the money? the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomCastPod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow me at JokesOnDrew. This episode, we break down the second movie of 2019 and the second Netflix movie of 2019 for legendary director Steven Soderbergh, entitled The Laundromat. The film is written by frequent collaborator Scott Z. Burns and based off the book Secrecy World by Jake Bernstein, which focuses on the infamous Panama Papers scandal and the law firm at the center of it all, Mossack Fonseca. The cast of this dark comedy-slash-political anthology is a laundry list of accomplished actors. Meryl Streep, Gary Oldman, and Antonio Banderas get most of the screen time, with supporting efforts from James Cromwell, Jeffrey Wright, Sharon Stone, and many, many other notable names. With all the past Oscar winners attached to this film and the early buzz surrounding it, I couldn't think of a better guest than also Mike, co-host of the Mike and Mike and Oscar podcast, which covers everything Oscars past, present, and future. Check out their reviews of films in the Oscar race and previews of what upcoming movies may contend by subscribing to Mike and Mike and Oscar on all podcast platforms and follow them on Twitter at MM and Oscar. And of course, if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to the NOMCAST on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get quality podcasts. If you haven't seen this movie yet, please be warned that this episode is a full spoiler-filled breakdown of the film. And if you have seen this film, I hope you enjoy this great conversation coming at you now. Thanks so much. Give a listen. Well, let me ask you, because you're kind of the, the Oscar expert. So we came into this movie, and we're a lot of the, the speculation, quite rightly, you have Oscars all over the place. You have Steven Soderbergh you know, behind the camera. You have Meryl Streep, Gary Oldman, who's coming off of a, a Best Actor win quite recently. Antonio Banderas, who they're talking about, Pain and Glory, is right in the mix. And so people were forecasting this, and they're like, Jesus Christ, like... Mm-hmm. And that, and we only named the immediate stars. This thing is loaded. It's an ensemble. James Cromwell, you know, David Schwimmer. Uh, I I realize it's weird to say his name with everybody else who's in this movie. But <laughs> and Ross, right? Yes, but like even just the you know Will Fortes and Chris Parnells and everything else. You 
it's a loaded lineup. So everybody's like, holy shit, and it's going to be like a political thing? Nobody expected the movie to be like this. Nobody, did. And especially not me, you know, because Mike and I did like a Netflix Oscar push episode. We were where we were just smitten with right. the star power because right. Netflix in the past, you know, they've had a year, you know, they had a movie or two like a Mudbound, but even that was like a right, puncher's, puncher's chance movie, yeah. right? Uh, Roma had a good chance last year. Oh, but even that as a project is like, all right, Alfonso Cuarón, yeah, he's Oscar bait, but he's doing his passion project here. That's right, it's not black and white, it's subtitled. Right, it's not. I the, never thought they were gonna win. But even but it got a lot of buzz, but I never thought it was going to But this work. year, you have Scorsese and De Niro. Yeah. You had Meryl Streep and, yeah. and Gary Oldman. And, then the, yeah. and that was like the centerpiece to this whole push that we were thinking these names. Now, we didn't know that Bombeck had a better movie in store for us right. and that Johansson was really going to be- And the Two Popes is coming out of nowhere, too. <laughs> it's for winning every film festival. Right I know. Now. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So absolutely, like the star power stood out to me. I've always been hit and miss on Soderbergh's career, though. I'll be honest with you. I think that's a lot of people. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I'm a, I'm a big defender of Soderbergh. I like for the a large lot part. of it. I think he's a master. Mm-hmm. I think that he picks very random projects in terms, and 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 yeah. a lot of times he kind of goes, he he knows how to make a movie. Right. He knows how. To he wants things yeah. to be structured. Mm-hmm. Although this one's a unique structure, mm-hmm. even for him. He's done stuff with technology that he's always trying to be ahead of the game. We talked a lot, lot about that with High Flying Bird. I don't know if you saw that. That came out earlier this year. I did. I'm such an NBA nut. And I love I'm that a, movie. And I'm a nerd in that way yeah. that it bothered me behind the scenes with that stuff. Otherwise, it's, it's very a fun accurate. Movie. It's very timely. Uh, I thought it was. I would like basketball in my basketball movie, though. Wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, well, you don't mind it. You're I, ready. I'm interested in the player empowerment movement. I'm yeah. interested in all those it's things. True. So it kind of. I'm I'm interested, and as apparently Soderbergh is, he's interested with game changers. He's interested with power and corruption, and sure. and and yeah, trying to change and trying to change. Well, not only this, I mean, yeah. you have his background with doing the informant, the uh, Aaron Brockovich, Definitely. Traffic. They're all kind of message movies, and obviously to an extent, even High Flying Bird. So then he comes into this. Scott Z. Burns is his guy. I mean, he mm-hmm. also did the informant, side effects, contagion. Like you're you're. All message movies, all things with some kind of like government influence yeah, or Z Burns is like a, a extension off of that tr- director's tree, like a coaching tree per se, because right. he's doing the report later this year. Right. So he's taking on you yeah, know, that's the Amazon the Prime version of this. So we yeah. won't mention that, Mike. God damn it, <laughs> stay on brand. Sorry, <laughs> but he also has they who shall not be named. Well, he also has. Uh, He's also co-writing the new James Bond, and he's got a movie about Lance Armstrong's doping scandal. Yeah. Like, he's got a lot of stuff where he pitched this to Soderbergh. This wasn't like Soderbergh's pet project or something. This was something that mm-hmm. they read the book that this is based on. So he pitched the book uh, to him as a project, but they can't, wanted to come at it. I, re- I read an article uh, with Soderbergh where he basically was like, People are going to come into this movie thinking it's all the president's men. Yes, and they're going to be fucking so disappointed or in for a big surprise. But here's the thing. They tease you with some all the president's men stuff. I mean, we're going to get to it. But my God, like that's a line from all the president's men. Whole whole sequences were based on right. one line after another. Like right. that's just that obliqueness, that, that right. stuff that I 
die for as a wannabe screenwriter. And yeah. You give me all of that. Why? Yeah. Because All the President's Men is all of that. But they didn't go for it. And instead, once I saw the trailer, I don't know if that's when your stance on this kind of flipped. Like, obviously, it's not All the President's Men, but right. it at least looked like it was going to be. And it kind of operates in the way of The Big Short, is sure. the immediate comparison that I thought this was going to be like. And weirdly enough, it's not that either. No. And this is a very unique way of saying it. And in fact, uh, Soderbergh, I remember saying that he was influenced by this Arch- Argentinian movie uh, called Wild Tales. Uh, I yeah. guess that was it was produced by Pedro Almodar. All right. uh, the Almodovar. Painting, if you're going to do a Wild Tales version of you know the corruption on the planet, then I don't know if Meryl Streep being attached, this is the first time I'm ever going to say this, especially an Oscar, <laughs> yeah. not like me, if Meryl Streep being attached kind of hurt this project, because my, my I don't guess disagree. is that this was more of an anthology in terms of its intention, more of an ensemble piece in terms right. of its intention, so that she should get act one, but then you should have the next person get act two and the next person get act three. I'm right. guessing that's the way the book was. It's probably segmented like a, a Michael Lewis book or something like that. And in the movie, though, right. what we do get is an elongated Meryl Streep right. you know, segment because you have Meryl Streep. Yeah. And if you don't have Daniel Day-Lewis for Act 2 and Sir Lawrence Olivier in Act 3, where, where can you go for Meryl Streep? You can't right. just go to... And not only Meryl is it Meryl Streep, because she's obviously incredible, mm-hmm. but you're also... This is the most compelling of the three tales. Definitely. And even though you're talking about the last one ending in murder, like the first one is the human story. It's the element that they needed for this story. And you can tell because they let it go 45 minutes into an hour and a half movie. It's literally the whole first half. And And it hooks you. And it hooks you. And then you don't see Meryl Streep again for another 30 minutes. That you know of, but then you do. And then you... Well, you know what I mean. her, Her character, her initial character. So I agree with all that. And I do think we had the potential for like a cozy mystery here. I don't know about right. you. I don't read cozy mysteries, but I hear about it. It's like, you know, Angela Lansbury stuff. <laughs> okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> I watched Murder, She Wrote. They sell well it's fine. Yeah, there, as far sure. as I know. I'm a reader, but I don't yeah. buy that you know category. But I think I was rooting for that. I was hoping like the bucket hat would become like this great, you know, new, you know, amateur sleuth, right, yeah. you know, like iconic thing. Yeah. I thought like this is Marilyn a bucket hat. She's going to do the Aaron Brockovich thing, whether sure. it's the whistleblower. Or, or she's going to you know, expose all this corruption. That happens, but not at all the way we thought it would. Right. I thought we were going to get that movie. And this and this structure kind of throws you off because it goes it so long in Act 1. Yeah, I, I don't know how they could have served this better in terms of like trying to stay anthology. Because a, a, a quality example to me of a recent anthology, because largely those movies don't happen a lot nowadays right like uh, obviously traffic is kind of an interweaving of those type of things for sure but even still like uh ballad of buster scruggs that the coen brothers did for netflix earlier uh last year or this year excuse me um that's one it's it's literally chaptered so i mean if you did something to where they made these two lawyers and the the firm that's operating here with gary oldman and and antonio banderas if you having them be the greek chorus that they are you might as well have made them like this unreliable narrator type folksy thing that they they try to pull off the problem is is they're trying to do 
the big short thing that they did where they would have these those little like interstitials where like a famous celebrity would come through and be mm -hmm. like hey this is really complex so i'm gonna break this down for you because i'm Mar margot robbie and i'm hot in a bathtub right now <laughs> and you're gonna pay attention because i'm me and i'm hot in a bathtub that's and, all i thought about what you were saying and yeah, so, yeah <laughs> so i agree with you i think uh they could have rewritten the movie and the fix to the rewrite would have been have them be your protagonists or your you know obviously your anti-heroes right and then have meryl streep be the antagonist in that structure right that would have made sense that would have made sense in the screen time right with what you gave uh, essentially what you gave out and you gave them the hammer spot at the end of this movie right. the, the two greek chorus members so that yeah. would have worked this this was like half anthology half not and it was right like in between it's very yeah. strange and it's a very in this <laughs> in the vein of uh, coen brothers that i just brought up before yeah. is ends in a very nihilistic way like a very shrug to the future like we don't know what the fix is ultimately mm -hmm. like i don't know if you had a specific takeaway but soderbergh again the same interview that i saw did have a very specific takeaway so i'm i'm curious to see what yours was to see how he, it matches up with his view i read nothing about it i right. I, I didn't even read another review at all right. so i i didn't do any of the ending explained videos or nothing so okay. this is just completely off the cuff yeah i mean essentially the big scene that is throwing me for the biggest loop right now is when meryl is talking to other meryl on the phone yeah and her isn't her name the same it's like ellie and ellen it's something similar yeah it's ellie martin and ellen martin well here so, I'm, i don't mean to stop because you're on a roll but, but i just want to i just want to see for your mind because i think a lot of people can watch this movie and get confused that they think that Meryl, her character, right. is also this other person undercover and that she's the whistleblower. So that is not the case. Here. So that is not the case according to Soderbergh. Or you, well, or they reading? they don't know yeah. who the whis whistleblower is. It right. was a John Doe, obviously. Yeah. So, it, and when they talked to the lawyers, this is outside of the movie. Yep. When Scott Z. Burns talked to them, they largely felt that it was not an inside job. So mm -hmm. it was nobody who worked for them. They said that there was no way it had to been some outside, you know, another another lawyer group, uh, somebody who was jealous of them, somebody who wanted to to get them knocked down a peg. That it was something that wasn't an internal thing, and it wasn't somebody like that. So it's an interesting choice to pick Meryl to play both roles, mm -hmm. and then to have that kind of like. Because unraveling scene uh, for a better choice of words you know you, disrobing uh, you know changeover yeah you're making it one-to-one -one. i mean she's even playing herself by the end is that what we're supposed to take at the end too is that the meryl streep doing the you know on the green on the set essentially she's doing the statue of liberty thing at the end of the movie yeah. i mean i know you, usually you go start to finish on these plots but i think that for this particular movie it make, makes some sense to kind of start at the end here for a second we do this on our show too i think you i think you gotta understand what the hell that ending is saying i mean it's just a clear political statement right. she is literally spitting out campaign finance report right. reform now if not ever because right. we have to but is that meryl streep saying it is that her no, character that was all from the Ellie manifesto Martin. of john doe that's john doe's manifesto it's john doe's words the only thing that is uniquely meryl and i mean meryl meryl not okay. meryl's other character <laughs> I, I mean strictly meryl streep she chose to do the Statue of Liberty thing. Okay. That was strictly her. That's not a Soderbergh idea. That was a, accredited to her that 
her kind of doing that disrobing mm-hmm. and, and and getting into all that that was her on the fly that she thought yeah. the words that she was saying when they did that yes. multiple times she thought that was where it should go so and i thought it kind of it was a little hokey and over the i'm top, realizing but, my wildest fears about this storyline <laughs> because it doesn't yeah. work because you have that scene like i said where they're talking to one another i think that the scott c burns was writing this as an ensemble piece right. he was writing this to where meryl streep played ellie ellen martin right. and she played ellie martine or whatever the right <laughs> yeah she didn't play john doe i mean or ellie martine was also slash you know uh John Doe, right? But she didn't play Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep was not supposed to play Meryl Streep in this movie. She was not supposed to get that confusing ending. For sure. And why he ran with it just because it was weird made no sense to me because that's not how the movie was. <sighs> yeah, it's just was playful. It, they do it multiple times though. Yeah. It's not even Meryl Streep, but you see Gary Oldman as a as a cab driver. Yeah, well, that's uh, at one point the, with you the see. Stick. Yeah, yeah. Well. But yeah, I understand it's not a fully fleshed character, but I think the point when they do things like that is to kind of go, everything is all intertwined here and kind of how these problems that they're laying out are also intertwined to how we live. Now, what I want to say, just to get back to the takeaways thing, Mm -hmm. Soderbergh, (laughs) it's interesting how he put it. He, He basically said that he said that he has twofold outlook in terms of what he wants people to take away or that he thinks the movie should give to people to take away Mm -hmm. and he said one is in terms of policy you might want to think about supporting people who believe this is an issue and that it needs to be addressed and then do a little dive into how they think it should be addressed and then part two of that is to look around you and to realize to what extent we are all touched by this subject now I don't know if this is an issue of the movie but I'm curious to know for yourself when I watched The Big Short, yes. when that movie moved the way it did and ended the way it did, I literally went, fuck everything, <laughs> fuck these people, are you kidding me, this is how it goes? I was angry. Sure. I had a viewpoint. I, had, I was lockstep with these people that I've been watching for the last hour and a half, two hours, that are trying to basically do an end run on these people who have been, God, for a it's corrupt but it's almost like absentee at the same time they were idiots they met all these people who were basically like what what are you talking about they had no idea that this was coming and even if they did they the people who knew they were just like whatever we'll fix it later Mm -hmm. we'll fix it with other people's money our money and that's why we're supposed to be mad about this the causality in this this movie is totally different i don't think Uh, there's nothing to me where i watch the end of this and i go I got to write my congressman. There's there's no, I'm like, hold on, uh, get Bernie Sanders on the phone. I'm no, not because, doing that. Because how are these scenes structured? I mean, the end of each storyline, you have a deus ex machina, hand yes. of God, changing the fate of this entire scenario to the point where he's describing all of the luck that was involved to yeah. expose these issues. Yeah. And that's, I think he's saying that on purpose because it ends every, each one of the, you know, the the scenes essentially. Right. And, 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 and the storylines with all these, you know, you know different anthology portions of the movie so right the fact that you have these regular people uh, and you have the same actress playing two versions of regular people yeah. that become the same person at the end of the movie because i still say she kind of does 
the Ellen Martin hairdo before she does Meryl Streep's hairdo at yeah. the end, yeah. which is very strange. It's almost like David Lynch, The Lost Highway, Inland Empire. <laughs> halfway through the movie, your protagonist is literally going to morph into an entire separate identity, right. which was very strange for me. And I think they're trying to go more towards that at, at the end of it. But they were definitely putting the subject matter up top and i think he was more concerned with making the statements that he was making right about this issue that it only gets exposed when by accident essentially right when, when it's, it's such a tangled web of fuck-ups and corruption right. that it only you're only going to hear about it yeah. when a telephone pole gets hit by a car crash right and then you know then there's a electrocuted woman and then her replacement winds up you know screwing up down the line or being a, a someone they can't rely on yeah i think the the two things that this movie does well is one, I think anytime Meryl Streep is on the screen, that movie cooks. I think it's a very relatable story. It's yes. a very interpersonal story. It it does kind of what Soderbergh maybe didn't want to do, which is funny, kind of like the, the journalistic unravel and, and kind of finding out all the layers of this story and kind of getting you to... Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it, Fonseca? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm Fonseca, Mossack, and Fonseca. Mosak and Fonseca. To get to them, you need Meryl Streep. Absolutely. But then, once the movie goes, you don't need them as much. They're kind of just props, or kind of like the audience voice, or like kind of. It's weird that I actually admired that they used it kind of like as a let me explain to you my side of the story. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was fun. Um, and I think largely that works, especially because you have such great personalities in Oldman and Banderas <laughs> that just are like on nine and a half the entire movie. So my question for you here, the production design. Yeah. Do you think it's deliberately bad and hokey, or do you think that they are just bad at production design because those sets for I mean, the ones that they're on the, the ones that they're parts. on the one on the beach the one in the desert like to me that i think so obvious. i think it's to take you out to make sure yeah. that you know this is kind of like here's a curtain a, a narrator greek chorus type yeah. version of things has to be. and that when you're getting into the actual stories the heart of the movie that it's obviously a very well done very it's well realist, produced realistic. yeah right yeah. yeah no i think that was done i don't even know uh, i i would say some of their choices with those was interesting like do i need the caveman do i need you know? any movie with cavemen and it just bothers me i just going all the way back like right. it's like the adaptation out of the nick cage movie i uh, love that movie charlie cough movie one of my yeah. favorites like, yeah we start at the beginning of time and yes yeah. <laughs> why do we do that in so many but movies so per- i, I funny, can go but... for days on that by the way another good meryl street performance true um the uh but, <laughs> but if that's Cooper, like, if Co- i'm sorry well i'm just saying that script is so brilliant that it's kind of like constantly right. referencing itself and constantly showing how everything is made yeah. and how it worked into the actual movie. It's so brilliant. It's one of my favorite screenplays ever. Agreed. It's and so brilliant. I wonder if I'm going to learn something about the deus ex machinas used on purpose in this movie. Right. I mean, after two watches, I'm basically, I know it's used on purpose. Do I know why it's used on purpose? Not quite yet. So right. then in terms of my, my takeaways, I don't really get it i would say at the mm. end of the day so maybe we can break it down more and, and figure it out from there i, I think just, this is a, a hard message to get it's a it's a it's not as tangible as something like you know a, a big short or you know something comparable like even to go back to like mm-hmm. the informant mm-hmm. or, or or even aaron brockovich you have a, a through character 
yes. that works for all of those, whether you have Matt Damon in the informant, Julia Roberts playing Aaron Brockovich, you have these kind of characters that weave in and out. And even uh, in Traffic, you have kind of like a family dynamic in there. You have drug running. Like you have a lot of things that we're already kind of used to, mm-hmm. subject matter-wise. And that's why I think The Big Short is more like a more brilliant version of what yeah. this movie is because you even for something being difficult and a lot of high language that we don't we're not accustomed to in the banking industry terms mm-hmm. we don't need to know that because either a they'll give us some snippet of an explanation as we're going along which was very well done by McKay in that portion sure. especially bringing all those stars in and again I think that's what they wanted to do here they brought all these stars in to be like hey this is important these people think it's important. That's why they're in this movie. And that's why we're supposed to watch it. And here we are. We did. We did. And we learned something. And we learned it's, something. It's worthwhile. But it's I, just, I just don't know if yeah. it's as compelling as no. the, uh, uh, a polluted water supply or right. uh, drugs coming to kill our children or, or you know, uh, you know, cartels or any of these things that seem like more eminent threat or realistic threats. Mm-hmm. This... The only thing that bothers me as a as just a person living here and what it can affect mm-hmm. is that this is largely legal what happened to all of them. True. And so you can kind of just be like, okay, yeah, no, this this all needs to change. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. That is a long road. There's no uh, uh, big immediacy. There's no action plan. Like no. if this was a marketing scheme, <laughs> you know, for, for such an issue, it's great. I think it could have been done better in a documentary maybe, but then the cause probably isn't coming to me because I'm probably not watching that and I am watching this because you're seeing these stars. So in that way, he won. Think about the big short though, right? The big short, you got so many more relatable stories involved in that on on anthology, right? You have a guy who is in his office and he's an eclectic weirdo playing the drums. You got a guy who's like the, you know, the, 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 you got a guy who's warning everybody that this crisis is yeah. coming. We we see those people all the time, and you have, you know, Steve Carell's character is relatable. They're all relatable in this movie. The people who are perpetrating these crimes, yeah, are out there. They're in the stratosphere. We don't get them. They're so rich yeah. Yeah. and powerful yeah. that they are pulling all of this BS yeah. on the sly, on the side, making it so overly complex yeah. that it's hard to relate to those people. And what do you end with? You basically end with, you know, just a plea we need campaign finance sure, reform. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how we're going to do it. And right. Steven Stoderberg, even when he's getting interviewed, doesn't know how you're going to do right. it. And he tried to you know, do a story here where, okay, we have Ellen Martin. You can relate to her. Farmer right. Hoggett got killed. And yeah. now we have you know, the, the, her scenario. Yeah. We have uh, the second uh, character is, is a dad having a- uh, An affair. Yeah, yeah the affair. And, yeah. and we can get that. I mean, that's a compelling situation. Does it belong in this storyline per right. se? I mean, you well, could have done that as an aside. I mean, it's, it's yeah. great in this movie. It's one of my favorite sequences, but it doesn't really work. And sure. then you go across to China where a bad business deal becomes like a murder. Right. I mean, why did they choose? Th- I mean, those are escalating scenarios. Can I also ask you, am I a bad person for seeing that whole like murdering the uh, spiritual hippie oh, he- groups in right. China and <laughs> selling their organs? And I was just like, oh. He's throwing up over that? That's crazy. Like, oh, 
you realize how desensitized we are as Americans? I don't know. Like, like, it's true. I guess maybe if I heard a story like that in person, maybe. But I'm like, I, I, I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person I, for sitting here going, <laughs> oh, cool. You know, well, like, that's interesting. That was like the Manson family over here. Yeah. That. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, they bother me. It in, just in, seemed uh, to not be airports. <laughs> Another thing that was like <laughs> crazy, but not intimate. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't happening to a character I care about. There's no, all these like things. At arm's length at ten arms at, lengths, right? From the real shit that's going down, and that's in why this the Meryl movie. Streep stuff works, right? And that's why the you know the crazy scenario with the dad and you know the the affair works yeah. in the movie. Like that's a compelling story. I just don't think as a composition it fits at all because. You know, the moral of the, all right, we have bribery going on with regular people. We have bribery going on with the rich and, and powerful. Right. We have bribery going on. That right. was a, it was a chapter in yeah. this thing. Okay. And I mean, uh, yeah. And, and I get it, but it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. And I think deep down the Netflix people knew this too. Mm-hmm. Like they knew what they needed to do to get us there and what actually works for people. Because if you watch the trailer, the trailer makes it seem like this is an all Meryl Streep affair. It doesn't seem like it's an anthology group. Mm-hmm. It does seem, obviously, like that maybe you're going to see Oldman and Banderas more as kind of like t- to help tell the story. But the other stuff is not really there in the trailer. They kind of make it seem like this is her story, like it's going to be an unfolding by her that this whatever she does, she's got her hands in everything. And it's not that movie. So I, I felt a little duped. So he, here's where I I would say, as a compliment mm-hmm. to, to Soderbergh, mm-hmm. is that not knowing exactly what I was going to get, when I watched this movie, I thought the movie hit the brakes pretty hard when Streep is not in it. They go to Mexico and, <laughs> and do that whole scene. That was and, strange. And then the, I, I actually... The scene, actually, not even the stuff with Forte and Parnell, when they come back and they're in the office and it's Meryl Streep's other character the and and the two Ellie, lawyers, okay. they're having a screaming match and a freak out. And I don't feel their freak out. I, I think it's... Because we didn't get to know them that well yet. Right. I mean, they're our Greek chorus, but how right. well do you know your Greek chorus? And also, because Forte and Parnell are very distracting... I don't know who they're talking about, whether they're talking about the murderers or the the victims. So, like, when I'm first watching, I'm not, I'm obviously on board now. I know that they were talking about, you know, being aligned with criminals and drug sure. dealers. But why did I care about this particular scene in that bar? They're criminals. They could have done anything. Like, is this what they got caught for? Yeah, is that sh- what's going on? Show like, how this house of cards is going to fall down. Because right. But it's of, so brief that I don't feel anything yeah. for it. And then... That's right after, that's what you're going to basically interrupt, quote unquote, for lack of a better term, exactly. the Meryl Streep story. So, and then it doesn't come back <laughs> doesn't for 30 back. minutes yeah, th- that I'm just like, and it, and that's an hour and 15. This movie is an hour and a half. So you only get to see Meryl Streep back at the end again. And, and I think that scene is very compelling when she's in the church and she has that little kind of like prayer to God sure. moment. I think that's really what the real true meaning they wanted to get for this movie. Right. They kept mentioning the meek and her, you know the, those type of things, sure, and obviously that's, an, that's where they're trying to relate to us. I just largely think it doesn't work. But the compliment that I did mm-hmm. want to pay here yep. is that 
after I got through all that and had the kind of like confusion and break and then watched it a second time, I do say that it improves and that it moves better than I gave it credit sure. for. And it is entertaining. At the end of the day, these none of these scenes were not entertaining. Yes. They were well-acted, well-produced. Everything was good, and the message was received. So in essence, I think this movie is an accomplishment, but ultimately in a good, not great movie. So I'm, I'm with you on a lot of that. I, I think it comes back full circle to me with that scene of the two Merrills, because right. that is supposed to characterize the reality of this storyline. Right. Because once Merrill's Ellie, Ellen Martin, right? The first, right. you know, Lake George yes. wife, once she is out of the movie and you only get epilogue scenes for her right. later, and it's not like she's doing anything new. Yeah, she's thinking about it all. She's praying to God, which is an opiate of the masses, and I right. like that the, the, the thematics there. Yeah. I liked it with Antonio Banderas. It's also Banderas. a very grounded thought. Yeah, I, li- I, I thought this movie was starting to get at some things that I'm really into that I can I can see working on a, on, a, on a larger level. It just doesn't go all the way there, like liberate the, liberation theology and meek, and meek inheriting the earth, yeah. and these are the meek people. They're not inheriting shit because yeah. this is how they are, and this is what they're up against, and yeah. that is that is compelling, like you keep, we keep saying. But we don't stick with Meryl Streep's story. Right. We only give it, you know, kind of our final words on it or give you a framing for it. Yeah. With those last two scenes. And unless that midpoint scene is a David Lynch transformation for the second <laughs> right. half of the movie yeah. and she's getting her vengeance right. as this new character right. that There's she no still aha is. here. Right. It's just I don't even know what's a good word for it. It's it's a put on. <laughs> Let's put it that it's a wrap up. It's it's nothing that uh, it's impressive because mm-hmm. it's a tracking. They open this movie and end with these tracking shots that are largely impressive uh, as like a like a like a technical feat. Yeah, and I think uh, Soderbergh. I think in the same interviews I read, like was kind of like if those two scenes don't work, then the movie doesn't work. And here's the problem, Soderbergh. <laughs> I don't think they largely work. Or at least like you said, I think you put it very well when you said this movie seems like it's at an arm's length for a good portion. And I think when they're trying to hammer home messages, the ones that they didn't that, that they started and ended with, I don't think are the good ones. I think the good ones are Meryl Streep in the church praying to God. Mm-hmm. I think the her meetings with her lawyers, her meetings with the the newspaper, like those type of things that seem very accurate to how we would kind of feel if we were doing this, sure. uh, if we were trying relatable to be in scenes her, exactly. exactly. So I think if he's thinking that the Gary Oldman Greek chorus, you know, and Antonio Banderas Greek chorus stuff, and the Merrill ending being the Statue of Liberty is impressive or will fully relate to people i don't see that happening i don't see the connections either and it's unfortunate because i think they're trying to jam stuff in in transitional scenes like right after the boat crash right and right. the drowning i thought it was a hell of a cut and a, and a hell, of, hell of a job getting some exposition in by of course father exposition there where he is just saying this is how much of a regular guy james cromwell's far farmer yeah. hoggett this is how much of a regular guy he was right right and th- this is what they're trying to say the whole movie regular people are both accomplices to all these 
you know, rich nightmares right. roaming around there, you know, making this web of corruption. And they're also the people that are going to get us out of it, right? Because right. they're the one, you know, they're, they're going to have the power at the end of the day. And that's what the whole political message is. Say, hey, you know, you do have some power to, to get campaign finance reform, even though it's a tall order because all the taxes right. that we put in there, as Obama says in this movie, he's like, they don't work. They yeah. don't stop shit. Yeah. And then, of course, all the Republicans are deregulating. Right. So it's just like- you know, both sides are which are they not also mention, right? right. And that's what makes this movie at least more timely, too. Sure, because they bring up even the more recent tax cuts and uh, tax plans in this country. Yeah, the one thing I will Scared. say, uh, and and kind of again, more things that I heard from sort of the mouth of Soderbergh uh, was that he said, <laughs> I found this very interesting that he described the laundromat as the ultimate mansplaining movie. Where, because you basically in in how Gary Oldman and Antonio Banderas operate in this okay. movie, that they're kind of just constantly trying to explain their side of kind of this fucked up situation uh, that they get away with, and and kind of punting the football around like yeah. hey the u.s is the the worst culprit of all of this or we had a we have a legitimate business we're not breaking any laws or oh even though we know deep down in our bones that this is immoral mm-hmm. or that it's you know essentially large-scale thievery that and you're not participating with the rest of society and how everyone else operates and then obviously the shifting of oh well we didn't tell him to bribe the bribing is just kind of inherent it's in the way these things because, work yeah. so you have all that so they're just constantly doing that 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 and the only time that it transitions is when that last scene with Meryl changing herself comes through and that's why they think that it had to be Meryl to do that because it's constantly just the male's explanation, male's explanation, male's explanation, right. and then but she takes over, and then yeah. kind of He's takes it. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's yeah. not this. It's right. actually this. We have the chance to change what he's saying we actually have a chance to be better and he's purposely giving us not unreliable narrators but untrustworthy narrators right. i guess you could say or, or narrators that we're not supposed to you know side with yeah you know, and i think that's that. the problem too is that they are unreliable narrators mm-hmm. and you like how much am i supposed to believe what you're saying is gospel because you're kind of just defending yourself it's almost like a court proceeding it's like okay so this is what you think but then we also watch these other scenarios kind of explaining things that, yes, there is some nugget of truth here, but should I feel for you? Like, right. what is my stance as a viewer? And shouldn't ultimately, if you want the message to come through and have a moment like Meryl Streep does with the damn Statue of Liberty, you want us to have almost be in like frothing at the mouth by the end. You want us to be mad. You want yeah. us to be to take action. And I just didn't get there. I didn't get there either because I don't think the story works is the simplistic way to put it because we don't have a protagonist who has the biggest arc. And you're supposed to do that in in any story. You're supposed to give your story to the character who's going to grow the most so that you can see that arc and you can live that arc and catharsis can happen. Meryl Streep's character or the two characters and the amalgamation of, of whoever this is, this right. three-part character, if you yeah. count that she's actually Meryl Streep at the very last scene, yeah, that character stops growing midway through the movie, and she is whatever, it, and, and she is 
someone who happens upon Jeffrey Wright's character. Yes. And she, uh, you know, she's somehow there at the airport. Yeah. She's somehow there at the post bo- right. PO box. She's somehow there at the grocery store with the same guys. And right. they're doing that on purpose in the movie to show us that, you know, regular people are constantly, you know, walking by this corruption right. and not knowing it. And I, I think symbolically, they're, it, it's more compelling to me than actual literal plot story act one two to three it doesn't work in terms of of simple storytelling because if you went with mossack and fonseca as anti-heroes and then they go with a tragic fall by the end or do they and if you or if you went with meryl streep's character being this david lynchian amalgamation right at least she gets the revenge sure. and then you have her turning into something corrupt and yeah and, and there's a whole storyline there yeah you don't get any of that no. with, with this movie because you get all of that with this yeah. movie you know it's too much they're trying for yeah. too many different things and i think they just tried to to figure this story out which was probably an anthology piece on the page yeah and they, they couldn't quite get there, even though I love a lot of the components yeah. to the stew. I just don't like the stew. Pretty much. And and it's, and it's the hard part is that I'll speak for myself and be like, I'm on board with your message, buddy. Right. And so that's why I came into this going, yeah, sell it to me. Sell me the true problems. Tell me something I don't know. Sure. And entertain me while doing so. And I, like I said, I think movies like The Big Short do a much better job of that. And this movie kind of falls flat in areas that uh you know or made choices that i probably think didn't serve the message as well i'm with you on that is also because like the real story i don't know much about it i didn't read the book but i remember when mike and i were researching this whole this whole netflix oscar push and this particular movie as part of that we came upon the fact that ross's character uh, yeah. david schwimmer's character yeah that character actually killed himself in in reality and he oh, was really he was talking in this movie he's like i have nightmares about this about these people drowning and it, oh, good god man you you ignored one of the most poignant wow you know potential just bombshells of this actual story yeah that people can relate to because that's a regular guy with this level of downfall and heartbreak and the, the, his life was ruined right as were so many people in, in this situation because you know of this level of corruption behind the scenes and they yeah. could have went there and they didn't go there and the interesting thing is that meryl streep's character is actually a composite character already she's not a direct <laughs> say ca- yeah she's not a character <laughs> right. who's directly plucked out of mm-hmm. the book she's kind of like a composite of some of the different wives that i think largely we're all in that lake george accident maybe oh, yeah sure. but not a spe- this is not a specific person they didn't try to make this a, a biopic of sorts from her perspective or any of those things i just think i wonder what this movie would make me feel if they just kind of followed through the thread of trying to make the best story they could have out of her story mm-hmm. and that instead of going out of here or that they or that those other two ones were much smaller at least to where they were kind of examples that maybe she tells us versus like kind of like continuing this kind of like financial fairy tale that mm-hmm. they kind of set before you this anthology of adding all these other different chapters of this story and and i, I don't know the way to do it right is going back to mark Bull's screenplay for zero dark 30 it's going back to Catherine bigelow yeah when you have that composite character 
that at least you give it to Jessica Chastain and you let her drive your story. Yeah. You let her drive your story through all these developments. Yeah. And you don't shy away from that. And in this movie, unless I'm, well, unless we're both misunderstanding it, and even yeah. if we are misunderstanding it, right, there's still like a, you know, a 10 minute gap here and a 10 minute gap sure. there. And there's still all these other side plots. Yeah. A, you know, these B, C, and D stories. Right. That totally take you out of the movie. Right. Out of the main storyline, so I, I don't think we're misreading it at the end of the day, but it definitely goes off the rails. And I, and I'll put it through to your prism to kind of wrap this thing up. Mm-hmm. I would say going into this, there was a lot of buzz trying to think. Look at these people. There's got to be some kind of Oscar buzz for this. There's got to be something through. I think now that we're kind of post the initial reviews, seeing the response after the the dropping of this movie on netflix i think a lot of those things have kind of gone to the wayside and i think part of that is that you can't even though meryl is great in this movie you can't put her up for for best actress especially in such a loaded category this year i would say there's a couple different things there to bite into and she's gonna end up uh kind of taking herself out uh, of the running because she's going to probably go for little women over this. So that's one of them. Does she use this as like a booster? And then we yeah. see that all the time where somebody is great in multiple things. Right. And therefore, it helps, you know, whatever, you know, people put resources behind right. at the end of the day. So my guess would be, yes, they're going to put her for best supporting actress for little women if yeah. she has anything. And this movie is just like another feather in her cap for right. this year in cinema. She's still awesome. And she's awesome in this movie. We yeah. both agree. Like the scenes in Vegas to me are phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, she, she is, you know, snapping at that real estate agent, Sharon Stone, in one minute. Well, I didn't even mention Sharon Stone yet. That's yeah, incredible. She's telling that adorable story to yes. her daughter and the grandkids. That's yeah, one of my I favorite see Joe. scenes. And that yeah. was a really fun, oblique tremendous way to characterize what is a hugely emotional nightmare for her right the fact that here i see joe giving two tickets for the rest of my life there i see him drowning every day right and i thought that was brilliant i want more of that you know showy dialogue in my movies right that's that elevated dialogue that you you fall in love with movies for yeah and i wanted more of that And, and, and that to a and that to a less melodramatic level is all of you know the president's men. I mean, that's the whole yeah. movie. Yeah, the, here, not so much. But we're I know they about didn't Oscars. want another yeah. journalist uncovering a story. One that was their that was their whole angle. They wanted to go a different way, and more power to them. He's but, been trying to innovate, and I give yeah. him credit and points for ambition. I just feel like if they were going to go in. For for this innovative script and yeah. like make it that David Lynch because I mean you've we've seen David Lynch do this yeah and we don't get why he does it right we don't get how he does it yeah but it's he's done it and he's pulled it off to to rave reviews you got to dive into that at yeah. the script level yeah you can't have Meryl Streep adding an addendum to the movie right afterwards and then try and run with it, it doesn't yeah work but in terms of her Oscar I like. She has to be the best actress for this movie. I mean, she's the lead of this movie. Sure. Not happening. And those other guys, as good as they always are, Antonio Banderas and Gary Oldman, I don't see an Oscar real scene in the making there. I was hoping Marsha Stephanie Blake, who plays one of the wives of uh, Jeffrey Wright in this movie, the mm, secretary, Jermaine's yeah. secretary. Yeah. I was hoping she was going to have something. Marsha Stephanie Blake was so good and loose 
mm. that I was just like, if this is awesome too, maybe she has a chance at Best Supporting Actress because those categories are somewhat open. I mean, right. they're still open because we we have a lot of major contenders still to come yet, but I do think compared to you know previous years, you got yeah. J-Lo in Supporting Actress and who else? You got Scarlett Joe. Well, I mean, you got Laura Dern, but I mean, we haven't seen yeah. Marriage Story yet. We're, you know, yeah. we're, we're going to review that. You're yeah, we definitely that. will <laughs> review that coming up, yeah. You know, we're looking forward to it. We got some heavy hitters to come, but there's much more of an opening for someone who's. Yeah, I think Best Supporting Actress is probably the only one that's yeah. kind of more wide open. Yeah. I know, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, kind of political stuff too with the report, mm-hmm. I mean, they're saying Annette Benning has a real chance, uh, and I don't know which category they're going to put her in because I haven't seen that yet either. They've been saying um, that for the longest time. I'm a little skeptical because that was out at Sundance. And clemency was out at Sundance. Yeah, if it if it was one of those no brainers, right, we would know by now. Right. so many people have seen it. Right, and Mike and I will get our butts out of the chairs someday, and we'll go to <laughs> go out there in uh, Colorado. We'll see it for ourselves sure. earlier than yeah. we are now. But I think I would have heard if if it was just a right. over performance. So I think she's going to be in the mix. Yeah, and and that's what the case is for a lot of these upcoming quote-unquote contenders yeah. at the moment. So I think it's wide open. This movie I was hoping would give me somebody, but I don't see it. I mean, Larry Wilmore's funny. He's Cr- great. Chris Parnell great. needs to do a lot more. I mean, yeah. uh, James Cromwell's always good, even though he's looking old. and I know, but I think that was on purpose because yeah. if you see how they did Meryl Streep's makeup too, that sh- when she does her little uh, – undressing and changing into her real self you're like oh right that's a wig that's mm-hmm. a this you know and she's got the makeup going on like you could tell that they aged her i mean matthias uh Schonarts, i always get his name wrong but i i think his vein in his head his forehead <laughs> you know deserves an oscar at yeah. some point it's the most pronounced vein i've ever seen yeah. and he was awesome in the mustang this year too I mean, he's been he's been great in a lot of stuff it was awesome in a bigger splash he was awesome in the mustang of this year right and I need him to get in the mix at some point. That vein is pulsating in this movie in the forehead, <laughs> yeah. but I don't see it. It's not right. going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't see it either, and, and it's kind of disappointing. And again, uh, if you want good Soderbergh this year, you already had it. High Flying Bird's a tremendous movie, mm-hmm. and it moves like a whip. Mm-hmm. It's got that kind of ocean's energy, but you know, doing it to an end around on the NBA. I mean, it's a, it's a much different story, but it's definitely kind of like a charged message film as well. And, you know, I think if something like this moved well enough with compelling characters that have a through way to, to kind of get all these connective tissue together to, to piece together what the issues with this problem is in our country and, and globally, I mean, maybe I'd feel better about this movie. But I would say it's okay. Yeah, not with the critic scores it's getting, not with the medic score. It no. needs it needs a unified. It's not going to go anywhere at this point stage. It needs a unified front. I just think you know, great actors and actresses at this, well, really every few years. I mean, yeah. Tom Hardy will do it every year. Yeah. But Meryl Streep just wants to let her hair down, kind of yeah. performance. She wants that wild performance. She does it every few years with yeah. Lawrence Foster Jenkins or Into the Woods. Sure. Of course, Gary Oldman has a career. <laughs> yeah. Of full those of it. outliers where he just wants to go off, and I, I I do think it's like a get it out of your system kind of performance for some of these characters and doing Gary, the crazy accent kind of thing. And this is a. Uh, tune up for Gary Oldman too because he's going to be in the next Fincher movie mm-hmm. where he's going to be the screenwriter for Citizen Kane. That yeah. looks really good because uh, I am a 
very big Fincher fan. Oh, thank uh, God. So, oh, he's tremendous. He's one of my favorites. So I can't wait for that. Uh, mm-hmm. And and Banderas is having a great year with Pain and Glory coming out. He's and- good in that. I mean, he's he's really strong in it. I just I don't even think he's the best performance in that movie though. So I would be surprised as loaded as his best actor is this year. It's so loaded. It's like you got a big four, and then your best like- supporting actor is actually the hardest one. Right. Uh, so I, I'd be surprised if if Banderas makes it in at this point, but he might. He's he's got that great career. The narratives, you know, behind him, you know, Almodovar. I grew up on his movies. Right. I, I love Pedro Almodovar films. It's it's got a chance. It's another showy screenplay. Yeah. Like if this screenplay, if we watch this movie, you know, well, people love now, stories like yeah. comeback stories, right? They, like you said, the narrative does and, fit. Yeah, Eddie Murphy could have that going for him at the end of the day. I, yeah, I, I mean, we've so, both but... seen that movie, and, and it's obviously for another podcast. But what I will say about mm-hmm. Dolomite, though, is I think part of the problem with this movie, even in the, the Netflix version of how these things work, this movie's going to get largely forgotten because it's going to get eclipsed really fast by the fact that Dolomite comes out next week sure. on, on the service. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to... it's. It's literally a, a, a murderer's row of stuff coming out to distract you from watching this movie yep. after the fact because you're going to get Dolomite. You're going to get The King with Tim, Timothy Chalamet. Yes, and then and then we're in Irishman season for, Irishman for most- Marriage Story. Boom, boom, right. boom. Right. Yeah. And then December hits Two Popes and Marriage Story. So yep. you have so many things. And then that and then there's a Michael Bay movie fucking coming on Netflix, too. <laughs> Somebody should so, do a podcast about this. I know. <laughs> it's a very exciting time. Get on that. Um, I'm talking to my Phantom producer. So, like I said, this movie is probably going to get largely overlooked. There are some really good performances. It may have not stuck the landing as well as some of these other message movies. I think it's worth a look. I think just simply for Meryl alone. Sure. But, you know, obviously take it for what it is because it's probably not going to be as memorable as Soderbergh would like to have it. I think the biggest takeaway from here is that they bring up an issue like this yeah. and that it's just one more kind of like talking point being like, Oh, well it's like I saw in this movie that sure. they said this it's, it's a, it's a, it's a version of just kind of explain this to me where a documentary may have not. It's a noble venture uh, yes. that, that we could support. And I think both sides, <laughs> I think that's the on the, the poster, right? It's yeah. a noble venture. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, it's both, both, no, both, <laughs> yeah. both sides should support this because yeah. both side i mean republicans democrats i yeah. mean there's criticism about both sides there's yeah. criticism about you know the, the the way they both handled the issue and both yeah. the sides have not handled the issue properly no. and this is happening with criminals infiltrating the finance system right it's a nightmare please somebody fix this <laughs> <laughs> thank you meryl streep so <laughs> i don't know if you guys can catch it in a podcast but he raised his arm and did like the microphone thing with the statue of liberty i don't know if you guys saw that i took my mask off yeah, and I, did, yeah I did do that <laughs> i didn't know where you got that sheet from i think it was one of the blankets on my couch I the other me. mic yeah, i'm not the, i'm not the mic you thought i was right <laughs> so you guys are so cloak and dagger i would have yeah. never known <laughs> Three of her loops. Oh, that, that, man, this was fun. Thank you. Hey, absolutely. And, and tell the people, you guys do a tremendous podcast, Mike and Mike and Oscar. Uh, obviously, we, we talked a great deal about the Oscar race coming up, which you guys cover in a very unique fashion and so many episodes a week you guys are on fire um and it's not like oh well we do like 15 minutes little jaunts thing no 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 everybody these are full-on things it makes me look 
so lazy in comparison, but you guys do a great job. So tell the people where they can find it and, and, and what it's all about. So the podcast is everywhere. SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, et cetera, et cetera. You know, our social media is, you know, we're Mike, Mike and Oscar, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and we're at MM and Oscar on Twitter, which I think is my generation's social media go-to. I mean, or at least it's my favorite. So it's Mike's favorite as well. Yeah. We're on that. It's a better most. community for film, I think. Yeah, we're on that the most, no question about it. So if you really want to get to us, Twitter is the place to be. Film Twitter uh, is, is, a, is, a, is a really encouraging place. I know yeah. Twitter is being described as just this nightmare of a spot. If you find your niche, it's but just fine. I've, I treat it like the newspaper. Film Twitter has been nothing but lovely to us from the start. So yeah. that's been great. But yeah, we got two weekly news and variety shows where we cover a lot of stuff. One is about the uh, Oscar race, of course and everything awards season that's called our oscar race checkpoint then we do mmo weekly which we can do some oscar stuff but that's about the rest of the entertainment world right and i'll talk sports we'll talk a little politics we'll, we'll talk about a bunch of movie stuff obviously because we do in every episode and then we do like a review or two every week i think right. we're going to slow down a little bit just out of necessity and because we want to do more collaborations you know we want right. more people on our show we want to pop on everywhere else and i think uh we, we're going to review the movies that we're really passionate over and there's a lot of oscar movies to do yeah, for there are i mean so many. Uh, what, uh, do you have anything you're looking forward to specifically everybody everything that we were like crazed for is coming out in this last quarter yeah i, I mean, know marriage story i've been super into i i think uh Knives Out is my friend Mike's yeah. number one right now. He, yeah, he's crying. Ryan Johnson's Redemption wait. Story. I mean, Star Wars. We're gonna cover. We cover popular movies too. And then yeah. I, I'm could not be more curious for the Irishman. So I mean, you're yeah. in the sweet spot this year. The I know. Netflix has got yeah. some of the most intriguing films yet. But Queen and Slim is another one. I know Mike yes. and I are both really into. Yeah. And uh, who knows? Maybe something else will will wow us. Uh, this week we're doing The Lighthouse. Next week we're yeah. doing Jojo Rabbit. Those yeah. are kind of our next two. Yeah. And and obviously those are two wildly different movies, uh, but both right in contention, having a lot of a lot of buzz too. And I'm looking forward to those. And I'll be right there listening to your podcast awesome. uh, you. to try to hear you guys break it down. So thank you for being on. This was a lot of fun. And uh, everybody definitely go check out Mike and Mike and Oscar. Thanks, man, for doing it. Thanks for having me. This was awesome.